Good morning. Welcome back to Hope Wednesday. I am Elisa Flakes, your hostess. And this is a psychoeducational platform that mixes faith and psychology. I'm so happy about this next topic that we have because we've been breaking up with brokenness, y'all. And in order to break up with brokenness, we have to get to the origin, the root cause of why we are broken. And so we're going to look at the dynamic of uh, the church and what we're supposed to get out of church, but what actually is happening in the church. You know that phrase, church hurt? Yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at the psychology of church hurt, and we're going to combine that with breaking up with brokenness because many of us have been hurt. Many of us have uh, perceptions about the house of God that need to change. You know why? Because when you go to church, you have to be able to relax so that you can hear the word of God and so that you can connect. You need to be in your uh, parasympathetic state where you are resting and digesting. The food is going forth. Connection is supposed to happen. But if you're rigid and if you're hurt and if you've got all of these things going on on the inside, you're not going to be able to receive the word of God. Therefore, you're not going to be able to be a better person. You're not going to be able to have better relationships. So it all begins with the house of God. And this is the platform that God has chosen to deal with man. I know some of us feel like I'm a hermit. I just want to go off and be spiritual and have a relationship with God on my own. But the word of God declares, forsake not the assembling of yourself. It also says that we're a body fitly joined together. So we are to live and grow among the church community. So let's hop into it in prayer. Lord, I thank you for another opportunity to reach out to your people in love and with wisdom and kindness. Lord, I ask that you would bless this series, bless this topic, and help us to leave here better. Oh God, tear down the stronghold of bitterness, unforgiveness, hopelessness, oh God, and just anything that would stop us from getting what you died for us to have. You died for us to have community. We are your bride. We are your beautiful church. And help our eyes to see what you see. Help us to see one another through the lens that you see us through which is love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, that was a quick um, prayer, wasn't it? Well, it's because I'm excited. And you all know, if you've been following me for any length of time, you know that I have to calm myself down because I get so excited about the Word of God and I get so passionate about the project and about building and about healing and about helping people realize their God potential and the gift that God has given us, which is life and love. And so we're going to hop right in and we're going to look at it. I know many of you, this could be a hot topic for you. I hear it all the time. I think it maybe started 10 years ago, maybe, where it's just church hurt, church hurt, church hurt, church hurt. I'm church hurt. I'm I'm hurt. I'm church hurt. And um, the church people make me sick and church people are fake and church people are this and the church is that. There has been an arsenal attack against the church. And the thing about that is, is that it's an overgeneralization. So we're going to talk about what the church is, who the church is, and then we're going to break it down so that we can uh, dispel the cognitive distort that your that one experience is generalized to mean the church. Because God had an idea of the church and his idea stands, and then we have our experiences and we label the church. So we want to get to the meat of that, right? And so as we look at it, let's look at church hurt. What is the church? I mean, we hear it. We had church today. I'm going to church. And yes, it is a physical building. 
um, where believers come to assemble to hear the word and to praise God and to strengthen one another. And so we've called that the church house. But in actuality, the church is a called out group of born again believers in Christ, also known as ecclesia, the called out ones. So we are the church. You are the church. If you're born again, if you have given your life to uh, Jesus and um, you have act- saving faith, you've been born of the water and spirit and not just dead faith, you and you are obeying, you are part of the bride of Christ. You are the church. You are the called out. You are the bride of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? And if you go to a building, whether it's a traditional church or whether it is a modern church, that's the church house. But the church are the people. And we, the people, we take ourselves to buildings and we call that building the church, the assembly, the place that the the called out the church goes to. So the church goes to church to, to fellowship. And so you might be thinking, well, what's the big deal? Like, um, you know, why... Why call ourselves the church, or why are we the bride, or why are we the ecclesia? Well, historically, God has always had a set of people that he called out for himself. God has always had a remnant. He's always made the appeal to have a group of people who would serve him. Isn't that wonderful? Because he makes the appeal, and in the appeal, everyone is not going to accept the appeal. So for those who decide that they want to be a part of God's family, then they become born again, and they follow you know, the, the dictates and the doctrine of his will, and they become the called out. Let's look at some example. Noah, in the Old Testament, he was one of the called out. When all that chaos was going on and wickedness was on the earth and they were evil day and night, killing each other and just very violent and and just not following God's plan, God decided to call out a people. And whoever, he extended the invitation, whoever wanted to come out and be a part of his, his called out, they could do so. But we know that for Noah, only Noah and the eight were saved. And then there was Abraham, right? And this is where it begins for us. God called Abraham out of his uh, out of his home city and, and he told them that I will make you a father of many nations and I will, you know, make this covenant with you and we are children of Abraham through the grafted in process. We are we have been grafted in and we are part of the body and we are part of the family. Abraham is our father. And then we know from Abraham came the children of Israel, the 12, 12, the literal 12 tribes of, of Israel. And so, and that is what extended the people, the called out. They were different. They had different standards. They had different moral obligations. They had blessings. They had a dedication that they were supposed to give to God. And they were supposed to be the examples in the earth of what it is like to be under the king's domain and power. So they were supposed to draw other countries, excuse me, to God. So that was the called out. That was like the church in the Old Testament. And then finally in the New Testament, Christ comes as a promise, you know, from the garden, from the fall, when the family was disrupted from Adam and Eve, and God made a promise that he would send a seed and that that seed would conquer and rule and put us back into right standing, and thus the birth of the church. Voila! Isn't that wonderful? Because of his sacrifice, because of his death, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
And so it's the invitation to be a part. So it's not like a country club where you feel like there's segregation and, you know, discrimination. And everyone tries to say, you know, I can't get religion because there's only one way to God. Well, it is a choice. You get to decide. You don't have to be a part of this body. But if you are a part of this body, it behooves us. Yes, I said behooves. I I feel my little church. It behooves us to understand what is the body, what, why the body, what are the requirements, what happens in the body, instead of having all of these blind expectations or not even any expectations, just anything happens. And then when something happens, you're disenchanted. It's okay to know the purpose. It's okay to know God's plan for the church so that we can heal and be whole. Now, the church is fragmented. You know, he died. He, he brought the church back through his death on the cross. And he said, I will give you, my, pour out my spirit and you shall be one. And, and we're now known as the body of Christ. But over the years, something happened. Something happened. Church has become a religious institution where people come to practice to perform. If you're Pentecostal or, um, you know, of that persuasion, you might come to church to sing, to hear good music, to clap, to emotionally uh, get your um, feelings out about the hard work you have, the stress and the struggles you have. So community, coming to the same place, a place that you know where you can cry safely and not be questioned. So it has become something else. And so what we have to do is dial back and look at what was God's original idea. Yeah, we've we've made programs, we've given titles, we've done all of these things. But at the heart of it, it was always about a called out people living together in unity and showing the world what love and a relationship with a sovereign king looks like. And we've done everything else. And as a result, because we've thrown the playbook away and we've just been focused on coming here and making it a social club for some, um, that we lost that there is a strict adherence and there are principles and there are practices and that this is a loving, a beautiful church. How could a beautiful bride dressed in white be covered with just dirt and all manner of evil? Because now when people think of church, they think of all of these negative things. It's synonymous with pain and, and falsity and, and uh, just abuse and and that ought not be. When we think about the church, God's idea of the church, he He purchased the church so that he could have it for himself, so that he can make it a beautiful bride, cleansed in white. I know you all are out there saying no one's perfect, but guess what? He wants us to be presented without spot or wrinkle, and that's because of his work. If we stay in him, his word cleanses us and he forgives us. So back to the image. You all love weddings. We're here in the Western world, and we love weddings. We love to see the beautiful bride. Well, I want us to know that that's how God sees his people. Even as we're not our best self and we're striving to become better, he sees us as his beautiful church, and he sees us, each one of us that are in the body, as his church, a representative of him. So we're all collectively collectively a representation of Christ. We're a body fitly joined together. So when I see you, I see me, as my pastor preached years ago. So we are a reflection of one another. And when I speak negative about 
the church. I'm speaking negative about the redeemed of the Lord. And the Bible tells us not to uh, judge another man's servant, servant in that way. So we have to make sure that we're protecting the fidelity, the model that God died for. Now, I'm not saying lie and just, you know, Pollyannish and pretend like everything is wonderful in the church, but I am saying be careful when we put our mouth on the bride, God's idea, because it is God's idea. It is a beautiful church. It's a beautiful idea, and most of us are striving to walk in that beauty, and we're being perfected daily. But what happens um, in the church, when we look at church hurt, where people have ascribed that title, I've been church hurt, and unfortunately, it's almost like a trend, like anything. You know, for girls, bulimia becomes a trend, anorexia, and now they they have some other things. I don't want to sideswipe you all, but there's a lot of trends out there. So trending right now is church hurt, and um, I've been church hurt. And the challenge with that is, is that You've been hurt inside the church. You've been hurt in your family. You've been hurt at work. You've been hurt. Listen, I was hurt at Chick-fil-A. They gave me a, a wrong order twice, and I just, I'm not going back to the one on Central. Yeah, I called it um, because I was hurt. But does that mean I'm going to stop eating chicken? No, I digress. So you've been hurt at a restaurant. You've been hurt in a relationship. You've been hurt in a marriage. Your children have hurt you. Because the common denominator is, is that wherever there's people, there are opportunities to be hurt. Now, there's a difference. Let's explore the difference between hurt and harm. Because like I said, it's inevitable. We get our feelings. We, we get uh, disappointment and things happen. And because we're grown, going on to perfection, there is going to be challenges. Wherever there are people, there's going to be challenges. If you live in the mountain by yourself, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to find something to uh, criticize yourself on and to blame yourself. So it's inevitable. It's a part of the process of being human. So hurt, definition, to feel pain or to cause pain or injury to yourself or someone else, to make upset, unhappy, and that's Cambridge Dictionary definition. Really, I just wanted to give you a little definite, a working definition of that word, hurt. So we're going to feel pain. And guess what? For those of you who didn't know this memo, you're going to cause pain and injury. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to do things that don't advantage yourself. You're going to do things that don't advantage other people because that's the the root of it. If my behavior, does it promote the wellness of someone in their view or does it disadvantage them? So anything that disadvantages us makes us feel like we're hurt. Example, a tooth extraction, that hurts. You know, you have a, a you have a um, you have a, a cyst or you have a, an infection, and they pull that tooth. It hurts, but they're not trying to harm you. They're trying to stop the harm by pulling the tooth out, and the pain associated with pulling it, it's inevitable. It hurts. It's a part of the process. It's a part of the healing process. It's a part of life. Even when we look at manslaughter, manslaughter um, is different from first degree um, murder. Um, some deaths are accidental, and so they're not charged the same. So yes, you can hurt someone and not uh, intentionally want to hurt them. It's more le- like an accident, or you're unable to uh, keep them safe or meet their needs. So that's under the hurt category. 
But when we look at harm, harm is physical injury to a person or an animal, which is usually caused on purpose. So yes, in there is hurt, but it is intensified by the fact that you are trying to injure the person. You are maliciously intending to bring harm or to bring disadvantage. It is blatant. It's premeditated murder. It's premeditated sexual abuse. It's premeditated physical abuse. It's premeditated verbal abuse. It is action with intent. Hurt can be pain without pain and action without intent to hurt or harm. But harm is intention to inflict injury. And so when we're looking at church hurt, we have to delve into what what type of hurt was it? Was I just offended? You know, did did it just make was I just disappointed so now I'm hurt that I didn't get things my way? Or was it a deliberate uh, a deliberate uh aggression towards you or a disadvantage or a malicious intent? And those are the things we're going to look at further, but I wanted to set the premise today and this Hope Wednesday and let us know that we have to distinguish the difference between hurt and harm because a lot of us that are running around here with the story of being church hurt, we have to look at it. Was I just, did I get my feelings hurt? Was I part of the human experience? Or even if it was harm, was I a victim of someone's underdevelopment spiritually? Because we're all spiritually developing. And I'm not making excuses for, to, to harm people, but I'm saying that when we put on the right lenses, then we can see things as they are. You, No one has ever vowed to never eat again because they had food that was bad. No one has ever vowed to never um, love again, you know, even themselves. And if you do that, then you're not healthy. But, you know, after divorce, most people want to get remarried. So why is it that when someone is hurt under the guise of a church house with people who love the Lord, they only give them one chance or they give them their expectations are so high that they never allow there to be room for healing? That is something to explore. Because we've all been in, if you've ever gone to any church, you've been in a situation where someone said something you didn't agree with or like, someone did something you didn't agree with or like, but it doesn't mean that we have permission to stop the church experience and to forgive one another and to have to, to see the fullness of the church because that's the law of polarity. In every relationship, there are disadvantages and their advantages. And even in the house of God, you will, although you may be hurt and injured, my Bible tells me all things work together for good if we allow them to work together. If we're realistic, if we understand that hurt is inevitable, we know it's inevitable. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And then the Bible goes on to tell us that we're going on to perfection. No one has arrived, not even you, Sister Sally, Brother John. I know you kind of feel like you got it going on and you would never hurt a fly, eh, fly dead. But anyways, you don't feel like it. But we're all going on to perfection. It's development. Jesus says it best like this in Luke 17 and 1. Then said he unto his disciples, it is impossible that offenses will come. 
but woe unto him through whom they come. In layman's term, Jesus is saying, brace yourself, buckle up, buttercup, offenses will come because you're dealing with people who are being perfected. You're dealing with people who are maturing and you're learning how to to, uh, share the grace that I've given you, the patience I've given you, the love I've given to you. You're able to practice that within a community. You get to celebrate my love by being in a relationship with fallen man. If God is in a relationship with fallen man, why can't we? Yes, we're those of us who've been redeemed. We are redeemed and we're being redeemed daily in our walk. Each day we're being perfected. So if God in his perfection is has decided to be in a relationship with us, who are we to decide that we're too good and we're church hurt? So we I can't do church because I'm just church hurt. They did too much to me. I, that's why I don't do church people. That's why I don't do the church house. Hmm. Hurt is inevitable. Offenses are inevitable. And one of the definitions I wanted to share is with offense, it's scandalon, and it comes from the root word of scandal, to strike against, displease, make angry, to cause, to cause, a, to cause a breach in law and stumbling block, to miss the mark and to sin. Remember, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the bottom line. So we have to be careful how we share our testimony. We're going to work through that the following weeks on how to recover, how to get help, because it's not enough to say, I've been church hurt. It's the new, it's like the Me Too movement of the of believers. I've been church hurt, buzzword. Well, guess what, you all? We've all been church hurt, and Jesus has been church hurt. He is the poster child for church hurt. The Bible says he was wounded in the house of his friends. The Bible says, I came unto my own and they received me not. The Bible says they stuck thorns upon his head and they pierced him in the side and they crucified him. That is church hurt. God bless you.